Hey guys, brand new to this thread and most of Reddit. I just posted a photo on Instagram with this story as my caption and my friend told me to immediately post it here. It happened to me and my girlfriend on a hike a couple of weeks ago in Washington. We shot this picture a couple of weeks ago, just before one of the scariest nights of our lives. Me and my girlfriend hiked a little over 3.5 miles in the dark from this lookout completely alone. She had a bad feeling about it from the beginning, and she really didn't want to hike after the sunset. About halfway down, in a portion of the trail so dense with trees, the moonlight couldn't even find its way through. We saw a light ahead of the trail. As soon as we shined our lights in their direction, they immediately turned their lights off. As we approached from about 50 yards away, we started to get a bad feeling, knowing someone was on the trail in the dark. Once we were within, say, 15 feet of where the light came from, we couldn't find the person who shined it. Instead, we saw a lone camper backpack sitting upright on the ground, just to the side of the trail. Already on red alert at this point, we began scanning the trees with our lights, and asking aloud where the person was, knowing there was someone hiding nearby. As we sidestepped slowly down the trail, we saw him, a tall but small-bodied man, hunched over with the backpack on his back. His small stature was hidden behind the size of his backpack, and he was perfectly still in the pitch-black darkness. When we turned our lights on him, just feet away and seconds from freaking out, I asked, How you doing, man? Praying to God this guy was normal. No response, or even a glance in our direction. The guy just looked angry. He remained perfectly still. My girlfriend tried to light on the ground next to him to reveal a massive axe. And before you ask, no, it wasn't even close to a climbing axe. It was over three feet long and looked as if he had taped a spike on the opposite end of the blade. When he saw us looking at it, he glanced up at me and slowly picked it up and stood up from the ground and began moving towards us. Me and my girlfriend sprinted as fast as we could down the mountain, and for the next 30 minutes, we moved through the darkness in complete terror. We made it to our car, drove 45 minutes until we could get service, and reported it to 911. Hey folks, I'm kinda new to this, and this is my first submit here, so let's get started. I must clarify, this didn't only happen to me, but my uncle too. This was after Christmas Eve party, when everyone went home, and I decided to stay, because my cousin and I were watching a movie. My uncle, who used to walk his dogs into the woods, next to a park, went off to take them out. Before this, my aunt told him that he couldn't do that, because it was too dark out there. It was around 4 or 5am. He didn't care much, and he went off anyway. My aunt was still worried, so I went along with him. Once there, everything wrong seemed to happen. Everything was quiet. My uncle and his dogs were having a relaxing walk, as usual, and I wasn't really paying attention to the surroundings, when suddenly, the dogs went still. This wasn't that strange. They always stopped on their way to stare or bark at other animals as they noticed them, like rats or birds, insects or other dogs. However, this time was just different. When the dogs went still, my uncle and I noticed something was going wrong. The dogs weren't angry or curious, they were sort of nervous, anxious and afraid. One of the dogs, the largest one, was growling and shaking. My uncle started to get worried about the situation. We heard it. People in the woods. 
We didn't see how many because of the darkness. They were saying something. We all gather here by the blood of... Incomprehensible. We... Incomprehensible. Thee and thy. Incomprehensible again. As my uncle and I heard that, he yelled for his dogs to follow him out of the woods and we all left. He turned his head back and he only saw a slight movement of the branches and shrubs. Perhaps because these people were trying to hide. After all of that happened, he hasn't put the dogs near those woods, nor would he ever when it gets dark again. So to the strangers in the woods, let's not meet again. Sorry for the long story, but I just can't figure out this person's motive. One night I was in bed with my boyfriend, it was about 1.30am. I get a text from a random number saying, is this, then my name. Sorry for messaging late and out of the blue like this, but I don't think my boyfriend's name is honest with me and I need to talk to you. We exchange a few texts and basically they're accusing my boyfriend of cheating on the both of us. Obviously I was annoyed, but bear in my mind that it was June 2020, bang in the middle of coronavirus lockdown in the UK. We'd spent every day together since March. He denied it all and insisted he didn't know who the person was. The same number starts texting him, gets angry and starts calling him a lying rat and it's not looking good for my boyfriend. But this is where it gets weird. This person gives no specifics. They won't tell me their name, what the boyfriend's done, only that he was a liar and that I was an idiot for believing him. I'd ask but I would just get replies with vague angry texts. Their grammar and spelling was good, but they'd used slang words from our local area. We assumed it was maybe some kids who found our numbers on Facebook and were having a laugh, so I tried ignoring it. Then nothing, until my boyfriend gets a text the following afternoon, asking him to meet them at a local social club for some company. Me and my friend got straight in the car and went down there. No one was there and the club was closed because of Covid, but we couldn't help but feel that we were being watched. It was really, really weird. A few days go by and the same number starts texting me again. This time the language is all weird like spelling mistakes and saying why you too instead of you too. That kind of thing. It felt kind of like it was a different person texting me. They seemed a lot angrier with me now because I didn't believe them straight away. Then they text me, you're so dull. I see him leaving your house earlier. Cocky, I said something funny, like, where's my house in? And they replied my street name. They also knew things about us, like the fact he was in the army, but I guess you can figure that out from your social media photos. I called them loads, but it just rang twice and cut off. I tried searching the number on WhatsApp and a few social media sites. Nothing. On an Instagram, the number would come up with a location of a film company, Rattle, Netherlands. When I'd google the number, its provider is Tizme. I've never heard of it, but it looks like it might be a fake number. They never asked for any money or anything like that. I just don't get why someone go through all the effort just to wind us up. The last text I had was, okay, you'll see eventually, LMAO. Creepy. I grew up in Texas. I still live here along with my family that will be mentioned in this story. When the 2007 recession hit, my father lost his job. 
It was a management job that paid well. We lived in a comfortable but slightly country area outside of Lockhart, Texas. With our income at Hall, we lost our home and we had to move. My parents found a trailer park with two bedrooms for rent, a little cramped for a family of five, but we had no other choice. The man we rented from was crooked for other reasons, but he's not the disturbed landlord this story revolves around. We lived in that trailer for a few years before needing to move out for other reasons. I was too young, remember. I was only 11 years old when my parents began the house hunting again. Down the road from the trailer park was a little cul-de-sac of land. There was a business in the centre of this land called the Why Not Party House. That was a bar or a wannabe club I suppose. Considering I was a child, I never entered the building. There were a few houses and trailers scattered around the different parts of this secluded circle. A worn looking trailer for rent. The man renting it, Mr. Dole, was an elderly man who couldn't have been younger than 65 or so. A few things to know about this trailer. It has old stone steps leading up to the front door. There was a bunk bed in one of the bedrooms and a somewhat functioning air hockey table. The master bedroom had a queen size bed and there was a carpet in the kitchen which I always found strange. The back door was now shut and completely unusable. If it wasn't enough to make you say nope, then let me also say it had a mice problem. My family's working class and my mother's disabled and my father out of work only relied on her disability check. We had no choice but to rent this trailer or be homeless. The entire deal was strange and honestly sad that this was the situation we were in, but my parents rented out this trailer on the agreement of words only. There was no official lease that was signed to any sort of legal document that provided that we were renting from this man. Before we moved into the trailer, Mr. Dole took it upon himself to build a new desk for us to replace the old steps. He even built a little picnic table for us to sit outside. As a child, it completely blew my mind that a stranger could be so kind to craft these things without being asked or wanting money. It seemed like an act of pure kindness. A bad person wouldn't do that sort of thing, right? Well, the first few weeks of renting from him went by without a hitch. The master bedroom had no light bulbs, but we weren't there long enough to change them. My family and I all slept in the living room. Something about the bedroom with the bunk bed seemed scary to me. I'm unsure of how my brothers felt, but they never slept in there either. As I mentioned previously, we relied on my mother's disability check. Sometimes we were late on rent and had to pay late fees. Other than that, Mr. Dull would be very understanding about everything, despite being a little irritated. My mother's check hit every first of the month, which is also the month of the bills. Her, my father and my older brother got into the car and drove into the city to take care of bills and get a money order for the rent. I was left on my own with my oldest brother. It was at the time when we had no internet or cable, just VHS movies. I was in the hallway. Come to find out, the trailer was flipped and the front door was the one now shut, playing my Wii, LOZ, Twilight, Princess to be exact. Something I need you all to know, we had no keys to this trailer. The only person with the keys was Mr. Dole, so we were unable to ever lock the trailer when we left. As I was playing my game, right in front of the door that was locked, I saw the knob turn. No knocking, the knob jiggled and a landlord tried to pry the door open twice but was unable to do so successfully. I just froze and realised it was him. 
He must have assumed that no one was home because the car was gone, but the door was locked and I thought it was fine to continue playing my game. 11 year old brain. My brother was in the living room and heard this noise. At first I thought it was a dog barking and my brother heard it too, but the longer we listened we realised it wasn't an animal, but the sound of people yelling. My brother went to the door to investigate the noises, and me being a scared child, I followed right behind him. Both my parents were standing out in the yard. My mother was shouting at her landlord, who was sitting on a farming vehicle. Not sure what the name of it was, I remember it had a very long piece attached to it. She was visibly angry and her voice was laced with rage. My father was yelling at him too, but I don't remember anything that was exactly said. My eldest brother asked what happened and here's how it goes. My parents pulled up to our trailer with the money ordered for rent. When they did, they caught Mr. Dole backing up the farming vehicle against the door, the only exit in that trailer. My mother went into full protection mode knowing her two children were stuck inside. She confronted him immediately. Luckily he backed away from the door but he was still operating this farm vehicle. I believe she threatened him, they had an exchange of words and he whipped the vehicle around fast and aggressively close to my mother and he almost hit her with it. My parents were bewildered about what they just witnessed, they didn't know what to say so they called the police. When the police showed up and my parents explained the situation, it was no use because we had no legal agreement of renting out the trailer. The officers shrugged it off and said there was nothing they could do about anything because no one was injured. Apparently trapping two children inside of a trailer that's a fire hazard isn't illegal. We only spent one last night in that trailer. We no longer felt safe there. We packed up as many things in the car as we could, but unfortunately didn't have the money to rent a moving truck for the rest of our furniture. We stored the belongings we took with us at my grandparents house, and we rented out a motel room. It was about a week later after this happened when we tried going back for the rest of our belongings. We wanted no confrontation with Mr. Dole, so we showed up to the trailer at night. It was dark inside and the porch light was off. My father and oldest brothers went inside the trailer casually. Me, my mother and my older brother were waiting in the car. It was no less than five minutes when my father and oldest brother ran out of the trailer with a speed I've never seen before. They hopped in the car and we pulled out of there like a scene in an action movie while my mum was terrified and demanding answers. Apparently, they went into the master bedroom first, which was an immediate riot when you walked inside. They were going to grab a box of paperwork we had to leave behind when we left. They noticed something lying in the bed, not just lying asleep, but completely naked. It was Mr. Dole, and right beside him was a gun. We never went back inside that trailer. We never recovered the rest of our furniture that had sentimental value that was family members, living and deceased. It's almost been a decade since this happened. My mother and I discuss it every now and then, but we're thankful that it's behind us. I can't help but wonder if all that abandoned furniture was a result of some other unfortunate family who had to leave everything behind, or had it taken from them forcefully. My mum was always very cautious of the bad things that could happen to a children type of person. She would take all three of us, my brother, sister and I, to school in the morning as she worked close to the same time school started. I had been begging to bike to school since I got a new bike for my birthday a few months earlier and she finally agreed. I was in grade 7 so 12 or 13 years old and female. My school was a 2 or 3 minute drive around a 10 or 15 minute bike ride. 
I was eager to ride my new bike to school as I'd gotten a new helmet and bike lock to go with it. School started at about 8.30 to 9ish, so I left around 8. I liked to hang out in the yard with my friend before school started, so I'd always go earlier. The route to school was pretty much one straight line down the main road in my city. Now it's 8 o'clock in the morning, so it's relatively bright outside, and again, I'm on a well-populated main road, around the time everyone is heading to work and school. So I'm halfway to school, and I decided to cross the street, but not a crosswalk or a traffic light, just kind of jaywalking or biking, if you will. As I'm stopped in someone's driveway, I'm looking both ways to cross. I notice a black car pull up to my left and park on the side of the road. It's a two-door Honda Civic type looking car, what I can remember. I'm 21 currently, and all the windows were tinted. I didn't think much of it. The only thing that crossed my mind was maybe I was blocking them from getting to their driveway, so I continued trying to cross the street. From the corner of my eye I see a man, dressed in all black with his hood pulled to the side of his face, get out of the driver's side and walk around the back of the car to the passenger side. And before I can get a chance to realise what's happening, he's opened the passenger side door and he's pulling me by the arm off my bike in an attempt to put me in his car. And for what felt like forever, it was like every car on the street had disappeared, any sign of help was completely gone. One of the busiest streets in my city felt like a gravel road in the middle of nowhere with nothing to be seen for miles. It also felt like one of those awful nightmares where you try and scream but nothing comes out, so you're just sort of silently suffering until you finally wake up. But it was real. I couldn't scream. I can't explain that feeling any better than a nightmare, but not being able to wake up from it. These things didn't happen in my city, so I wasn't prepared for what to do in a situation like this. So the first thing that came to my mind, I aimed for the nuts. I shifted my weight right into my right leg, and kicked as hard as I possibly could with my left. I landed one kick, which I can recall actually hurt my ankle a bit, so I can only imagine what it felt like on the receiving end, and he instantly let go. I didn't even look before I crossed the street, biking as fast as I possibly could. I remember trying to turn around to get a license plate, but my eyes were watery from the tears streaming down them, and it still felt like making any noise was impossible. I knew my mum would have been at work now, so I continued biking to school, silently crying and trying to ride the entire way. I pulled into the schoolyard and dropped my bike. I didn't care to lock it or ever ride it again, frankly, to be honest. My school's front door was locked 24-7 and you had to ring a doorbell to get in, so I did exactly that. The secretary reminded me that I still had time to play outside before class, and that's when I was finally able to speak again. I need to call my mum, I screamed. The door opened instantly. I explained what happened to the secretary, then the principal, my mum, and finally the police, who I refused to talk to until I spoke to my mum. The police arrived at the school shortly after and took my statement, then went to the station after school to make another one with my mum. A business across from the street from where it happened had surveillance, but only captured the bottom six inches of the guy's car pulling up, his footsteps in the back of his car, and the car pulling away shortly after. Basically, no solid leads on who this guy was. The same guy, with the same body description and the same car description, went on to attempt to kidnap three other girls, but was never caught. I don't really believe in God, but I do pray whatever he was or is, is never successful.